and one, two, three. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Life Point Table Talk podcast. My name is Jason. I'm here with my brother Tyler. Hello. And today we are continuing with our Bible reading reflection. I hope you all have been tuning in and uh, uh, reading along. And uh, we've really been enjoying doing this, so uh, keep following along. And today, we have got quite a bit. We've got Numbers 16 through 33 and Mark 633 through 1031. Mm. Yeah. Um, Precise. Yes, I'm not sure who chose these breaks. But we're going to go with it. We're rolling with it. And... Today, I'd like to start in the New Testament, because we usually start off uh, in the Old Testament reading, and it goes forever. Yes. And then, unfortunately, the New Testament... Gets a little scanned. We're a little tired out by then. So we'll start there. So we're starting at Mark 6.33, which was right uh, where we stopped last time. And uh, Jesus and the disciples were trying to get away to rest... And uh, it didn't work out. A large crowd follows them. And um, I love this part because it says Jesus was moved with compassion. Yeah, me too. When I he looks it. at them, they're like lost sheep chasing him. Yep. Um, which is totally accurate. <laughs> yeah. And um, we this leads into... Uh, one of these amazing miracles here. It's too late for him to eat, and um, they only have five loaves and two fishes, and he feeds 5,000. Yeah. And 12 baskets left over. Um, I wish I knew what that looked like. I know, right? Do you think he just kept breaking bread like a gazillion times? Know. Or did I it just know. show up? In front of people, or yeah, and it's and it's like I love too that um, the numbers are very specific, yeah, and they have very detailed, in-depth meaning too. Mm. Even down to the I think where it says, yeah, the disciples say, "Shall we go and spend two hundred denarii on bread?" Right, which is eight months of wages. Wow, like that's how many people are here, Lord. Yeah, you want us to feed them? We got to go spend eight months of wages. But he has them sit down in hundreds and fifties, hmm. which is really fascinating too, because that was uh, that time that was a common practice for military procedures. You'd put your military groups in hundreds and fifties, and this is pretty cool because it's like he's he's announcing this new kingdom, and it's like this kingdom invasion is coming, but it's going to look like nothing what people thought. Wow, that's so I awesome. thought that was pretty cool. And then the last thing is the. Uh, the 12 baskets. Yeah. I don't think that's accidental at all. I think that represents Israel. Yeah. And tribes. so this is to the Jews. And then uh, just in a couple of chapters, we're going to have a different feeding that's specific to the Gentiles. Right, right. So it's like oh, his that's, that's all-encompassing really cool. ministry. Yeah. Um, so after that, uh, Jesus goes up to a mountain to pray, and the disciples uh, go out at sea. And they're struggling to uh, get across because the wind's going against them, something like that. And uh, this really caught me as funny because 
I, I forget what tran- maybe all the translations say this, but it says Jesus made it look like he was just going to walk by. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like was he just playing a joke super on him? Casual. Or yeah. He acted like he was just walking by on the on the water. Um, and it, obviously it freaked him out. They thought it was a ghost and um and it was Jesus. And he comes on the ship there and the winds die down. And um, then they get to the other side. And again, they just talking here how the entire area, that whole town and region, when he shows up, it's like Beatlemania pretty much. I mean, they're crowding. And they want to see this guy. They want to even just to touch him, you know. Yeah, and I, I love that it says that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak. And then immediately you just think back, I think it was just a chapter or two, with the woman in the issue of blood. Right. That's what she did. It must have got around. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like words traveling about this guy. And there, I was thinking, too, like it, it had to be intense. Like the disciples were probably almost like, bodyguards you know because they would be crushing i love you said that because we're going to see in a couple of chapters it explains a little bit of their behavior yeah when they look like they're not very welcoming right and kind of jerks yeah i think it informs to that they're like i mean they're just constantly throngs of people like surrounding you see see that in some of these stars or whatever it becomes dangerous because people are just to have the entourage they go crazy you know and he was he was like (laughs) Rock star is a cheap word for it, but he was he was um, a phenomenon, I yeah. guess you could say. Um, so that in six, we we get into seven here, and he's going back and forth with the Pharisees about the disciples eating uh, when they're unclean. I mm. believe it is, yeah, uh, which we've been reading about quite a bit. The uh, the uh, uh, rules that the Israel had for um, uh, being clean, and um, yeah, we've seen that in our, <clears throat> our Old Testament readings. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really serious, and um, but Jesus kind of flips it on them, mm-hmm. and uh, he's talking about how they honor the Lord with their lips but not their hearts, and he actually he brings up. <laughs> A really intense thing about how they're it it uh, says you should put to death kids who dishonor their parents. Yeah, <laughs> he said you're not doing that. Yeah, what well, he says he too, you're you're finding loopholes. Yeah, he says you're finding loopholes and not take care of your mom and dad, which is part of the commandments too. Right. So saying that, well, that that money is set aside for God. Yeah. For an offering, but with Jesus, it's what's cool is he's always gets to the heart of the matter. Right, it's a hard issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it and it gets into some really uh, deep stuff here. He starts talking about nothing outside going in a man defiles yeah. him, mm-hmm. but what comes out of the heart, evil comes out of the human heart. Um, which is so true. I mean, I don't know when we will learn this. Uh, how many times we look at things and objects and places that are evil it's always the humans in the situation who are the problem yeah it's not the things well it's the, it's the people yeah and it really stood out to me too what he said he calls it your tradition hmm. traditions of men 
Yeah. It's stuff that they've kind of extrapolated from the original ideal will of God and the original commandments that they've just over time have turned into their traditions. Yeah. And he's saying, ah, you're missing the mark here. It's not what that was about this whole time. Yeah. It's really about this. Yeah. And then we get to the Seraphonician woman. Mm-hmm. And she's asking Jesus to heal her possessed daughter. And Jesus says, Israel first. And he says, it's not right to throw the children's bread to dogs. Um, and she replies, Do- don't dogs get the crumbs? And um, this is a really intense exchange. Um it's, you know, he's calling these people, this people group, dogs. Yeah. Um, I've heard different ways of this yeah, explained. Yeah, it's not a nice connota- yeah. connotation. I don't think there's any nice way to put it, necessarily. Um, the one that made sense to me was that he was talking about the some of the customs that her people group were, her, her culture and stuff were uh were part of and the the uh uh rituals to other gods and things and yeah. it was some pretty uh nasty stuff they were involved in child sacrifice and all that kind of stuff um so i think he meant it i don't think it was i could be wrong you know what i mean it could be a play on words there where it wasn't as harsh or something. Yeah, but. and some people think that it was more like a term for like a, a cute house pet, mm-hmm. like a house dog, because later mm-hmm. it talks about the dog under the table eating true, the scraps. True, true. But, but that connotation would not be lost on anyone standing there when he would said dog. Well, even still, the dog, I yeah. don't, that's, not, that's not very nice. And really it's about her faith, mm. you know? Yeah, but what's fascinating is... That's her answer. The dogs get the crumbs. Yeah, that's her. That's and, her faith in action, right there. And it says Jesus is moved by her humility and faith. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, um, her faith sort of surpassed, um, and gave her access to this to this blessing. Yeah, <laughs> which it wasn't originally for her people. It wasn't for yet. her yet. It in uh, he hadn't died yet. She wasn't part of the covenant, and yet her faith gave her access to it. Um, yeah. Amazing. And a- after that, they bring a deaf man to Jesus. He's a deaf man, and he can't speak. Uh, I think this is the first time Jesus spits in his finger and puts it in his ear. Is that right? Uh, and he's healed. After spitting, yeah, he, he touched his tongue with the saliva. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I love this too. This this is either the first or second in a in a kind of a string of moments where it says that Jesus sighed. Yeah, a deep sigh. And that right. really struck me, like just how human he was. Almost like, ah, oh, man. The fact that they put it in there. Yeah, like he he it, was moved. By and he just something. we just read that he was moved with compassion or these hungry crowds. And I think yeah. it was the same thing here. Like he was just looking at this brokenness that wasn't ever supposed to be, mm. never God's design yeah. to happen. Right. And it bums him out. It breaks his heart. And yeah. you know, and it could be coupled too with a lot of the unbelief 
frustration side. Frustration side <laughs> too of what's uh, what he's seen and what he's going to see, you know, yeah. ahead. But yeah, I just like a deep sigh. He said to him, "F patha, F patha." I don't know. He's <laughs> be opened. It says, "Thank goodness for the translation." Right? Be yeah. opened. Yeah. It's amazing, but he's very demonstrative, mm. and he's going to be again in a couple of chapters with another healing um, episode. Yeah, and it's it's just, I mean, I got to, since I was a little kid, this is always, why the spit? Why the, yeah. what's going on there? Some people could just touch his garment and get healed, and for some reason he's going through this other Process yeah, like I said, it, it was very demonstrative. Yeah. Almost, it was maybe for the people that were watching mm. from afar, like almost like a type of sign language, Interesting. like you know, describing to those that weren't near what was happening. Yeah. Then we get to chapter eight. We got another large crowd, and this is amazing. They had been with him for three days. Yeah. What in the world? How did that like work? One of those. Uh, what are those popular festivals like, like Bonnaroo, Bonnaroo or, uh, they were having a Bonnaroo yeah they had to be they're camping out and stuff or something um, again he... he has compassion on them mm-hmm. um, and this time he feeds 4,000 with seven loaves and a few fishes yep and this is what you're referencing right yeah uh, and then it says this time around it says that they picked up seven baskets um, of leftovers. So the first feeding was implied towards the Jewish people, the 12 baskets, like mm-hmm. the 12 tribes of Israel. And seven throughout the Bible is always the number of perfection and completion. Hmm. So this is the going out to the, it's the original Genesis 12 covenant promise. Wow. Yeah. That, we, that all the families in the earth will be blessed through these people. And so that seven is like a sign of completion. So now it's, and it's, and it's interesting too that is sandwiched between the Syrophoenician Mm -hmm. gal, which also concerned bread. There's like this bread motif going on. And of course, we know from John's gospel and other things that he's the bread of life. And there's just so much imagery and power in that. Yeah. And so it's, he's coming to everyone with this gospel message and the salvation. Yeah, it's amazing. Just sometimes the way these uh, crop references cross references are they're almost too on <laughs> for me <laughs> like wait a second are they just taking this old stuff and putting it in here in a you know a clever way yeah, you know, yeah. I kind of sometimes feel like that i'm not saying it is but there's so uh so many of them i guess mm-hmm. you know uh then we get into the pharisees they're demanding a sign this is probably a not a good sigh he sighs deeply. Yeah, this is this is another emotion. This is like ex- exasperation. Yeah, yeah, and they're not going to be given a sign. Um, yeah, and he warns his disciples of the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod. Yeah, um, which is interesting because we're reading reading simultaneously these uh, numbers in Levit- Leviticus where. People saw plenty of signs, right? Yeah. And they it didn't always change the way they acted, right? Yeah. And we come to another blind man. Yeah, before that, though, I love it. It says, he says, that, to beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. 
and they more or less said, is he talking about us not having any bread here? Right. <laughs> yeah. And Mark has like a motif throughout his whole gospel. Yeah. He doesn't really paint the disciples in a super positive light. Yeah. Kind of numb skulls. Right. Like right. slow, slow to get it. Yeah. He's kind of frustrated too. I, I, yeah. I have the notes, but it's like, what? How are you not getting this? Yeah, and he and what Jesus <laughs> what Jesus says to them too. He quotes from the Old Testament: "Having eyes and do not see, and having ears do not hear." Right. And then immediately following is him healing a blind man. So mm. it's like he's like contrasting their blindness and to what he's about to do with this man and this healing. And this is one of my favorites. This I call it the Jesus optometrist. Yeah, this healing. is another. Um, he's going with the spit again. Um, how, is he spit in his eye? Is he spitting in his eye here? Uh, no. On he, the ground, or it says um, take so the blame man by the hand. After spitting on his, oh yeah, he brought him out of the village, and after spitting on his eyes <laughs> and laying his hands on him, he asked him, "Do you see anything?" And he looked up, I love and he looked up, and he he said, "I see men, but I see them like trees walking yeah. around." Then again, he laid his hands on his eyes, and he looked intently and was restored. That's amazing. And that's why I said the Jesus optometrist, because I got terrible eyesight. So I get every couple of years, I get new glasses. What and it made see? me think of the, okay, one or two, one or two, <laughs> C or D, C or D, you know? It's just amazing. Yeah. I, I think it's one of those things where it's just people are different, I guess, their experience with with. Jesus are different, you know. Um, he's still healed, but the process is different, you know. Right. Um, and also, there's this kind of under uh, current theme, too, of people's faith. Yeah. Associated with their healing, and maybe there's stuff missing that we, you know, weren't on the scene. Maybe that has something to do with his faith and his yeah. response to what Jesus was doing. Yeah, I think like you're saying, like, there's not a lot in here uh like it's it's deliberate what what mark's telling us you yeah. know even the numbers and things like he takes the guy out of town it says at least he le- like there's there's something there going on yeah. like it was a personal yeah you know? it meant something yeah um then we get to this amazing passage here where oh, yeah. uh, he's asking peter who do you say i am and um he says John the Baptist, Elisha, or the pr- other prophets, which is which is interesting because that kind of shows you they were already thinking in these archi- archetype. Yep, they were type. looking. Like obviously, he's not John the Baptist. There was a John the Baptist. There was an Elisha. There's like a he's like that. Yeah. You know, he's like this guy. And then of course he says, "Who do you say I am?" Which is probably. Uh, the most important question in the scriptures. Yeah, any of us can answer. And uh, he says, you are the Christ. And it, it, this is another theme. The whole time Jesus is telling them not to tell anyone. Yeah. Strictly tells them not to tell mm-hmm. anyone. Including people he heals and delivers. Yeah. Um, they call it the Mark's messianic secret. It's great. It's very in it. Why? Why do you think that was? was oh, it I, just... I think for sure it was because at this time, like you were saying, that we're looking for Elijah. It's, is he John the Baptist? Is he one of the prophets? They were very much looking for this Messiah. 
like it was in their consciousness, especially in the couple hundred years leading up to that, this post-exilic is, mm-hmm. is Israel existence. But they were looking for a Messiah that was going to cut heads off and take down Rome. Like David. And kill everybody yeah. and deliver them and rule the world. And Jesus came to do it a very different way. And he knew that if he gave them enough encouragement that he was that kind of Messiah, yeah. the whole thing would just implode. Yeah. And I think yeah. that was why he was so secretive. Like, I'm not going to yeah. let you do that and turn this into this because I have this mission that yeah. leads to the cross. Well, it's fascinating because right after that, he explains very clearly yeah. to the disciples. Peter was doing so good. He's going to suffer. He was doing so good for two suffer seconds. Suffer and die and be. I mean, it's it's so hard because we're seeing this in in hindsight to mm-hmm. understand. Um, I, I, obviously, we can't say we'd do any better, but it seems like he's being very yeah. <laughs> clear with these guys what's going to happen well, and how it's going to go down, and, I think and that- they're just not accepting it not getting it i think that's ties into what we just talked about they were so expecting this other type of messiah king yeah deliverer redeemer it didn't even make sense it didn't make sense they're like it just glazed it just glanced off of them which leads perfectly into peter's response yeah it can't be so right yeah you know he says no way and the best ever get behind me satan um to peter and I yeah. use that I use that phrase all the time to the kids to yeah, to, to my mother-in-law when she offers me cookies cookies or out, yeah yeah get behind me Carol yeah what's amazing one par- one paragraph earlier Peter got it right yeah he said right. you are the Christ you are the anointed one you are the Messiah and now three seconds later he's and then, getting it wrong and then that chapter ends with Jesus bringing you know the part of the gospel that uh, is a little harder. So yeah. Some folks the, don't don't like this part. The cost of discipleship. Yeah, if you want to follow Christ, you must deny yourself and pick up your cross. You must lose your life to save it. Uh, what can you exchange for your soul? If you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. I mean, it's pretty mm-hmm. intense language there. Um, Very much so. Yeah. That that those passages that that whole pa- last passage with Peter right to the end there is that sticks with me yeah quite quite deeply and what's amazing is he just tells them about what has to happen concerning his death yeah and the cross and then as we get into nine and the transfiguration what's so cool is immediately at least for the inner core the three that go with him you see the other side of the cross too it's like this glimpse of his resurrection yeah. glory yeah. like what's to come after it was really cool um yeah so we're so we're in nine now and so jesus takes peter james and john up to a high mountain and he's transfigured in front of them and i can't uh oh, so i good. couldn't help but see how directly this is related to what we've been reading it's like almost the same thing a cloud shows up listen he's shining listen to this and look at this i i always thought 
Peter was just crazy, okay? I always thought right, he was right. making fun of him. But the, the one I was reading, it says he wanted to make three tabernacles. Yeah, like their, like their festival. Sense. Like he like forgot like a holy thing. Yeah. He was making a holy area yeah. for them to He was to still be. getting it wrong, but his heart was okay. Yeah, but it made, like when he's, the translation I was reading said tabernacles and not tents. Like that yeah. made so much yeah, more like sense. Yeah, like their feast of tabernacles, yeah, their like, festival, yeah. Yeah, I love it though. It's so I love the way it's worded though. It's like, Lord, it's good to be here. <laughs> because later on, you know, actually, Mark he does a lot. Uh, Tim Mackey from the Bible Project he talks about how he'll put stuff in parentheses and or or in you know infer things that are kind of like dear reader. <laughs> you know, <laughs> dear reader, he said this because he did not know what he was talking about. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was missing that. But in Exodus 24, after six days, Moses is summoned to the mountaintop to get the revelation from God, hmm. which is amazing because it starts off right here. Verse two, six days later, Jesus took with him. So here oh, we wow. are back on top of a mountain with this yeah. revelation from God. Yeah. And we're going to see a similarity too as he comes down the mountain. Yeah. And so God's voice says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Um, I can't help but hear James Earl Jones mm. in my head there. I'm your father. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, <laughs> this is my uh, boy. Uh, again, he tells them, let's see. Let's see. Yeah, as they were coming down the mountain, oh, he yeah, gave him orders not to relate to anyone with this. Until he rises from the dead. Yeah. And that, they Which don't, is pretty they, direct. Well, they it. I think it talks about it. They're like, "What's he talking about?" They didn't Rise understand until later. Yeah. yeah. And what's cool is when they get down to the bottom of the mountain, just like when Moses got down to the bottom mountain, there's this failure. Yeah. He's immediately confronted with this failure of faith, and this boy who they couldn't deliver. Yeah. And he shows his frustration, just like Moses showed his frustration when he got down and saw the golden calf. Mm. It's really cool. Wow. The parallels are so fascinating. Yeah. And I love it. He, the the father says, "If you can help him," and Jesus, yeah. it's can I help him? Feels like he's you know indignant a little bit. If you can, yeah. What do you mean? Like, of course I can. That's what I mean. It's like it's it's just showing like kind of some real human skin yeah. and emotion there. And he says, "All is possible for those who believe." In mm. the best. One of my favorites, he says, help, I believe, but help my unbelief. Yeah, what a great what, prayer. Yeah. What a great prayer. Yeah. And then he casts it out in, in just an interesting thing. He calls it a mute, deaf spirit. Yeah. Which is interesting. I don't... And I'm fascinated, too, with how much um, illness is related to the demonic. That's yeah. really, really fascinating to me as well. And it says that the boy became... It came out, and the boy became like a corpse. Yeah. And they said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him. And that can't be accidental either. He just was on top of this mountain in this preview of resurrection glory. Right. After talking about his journey to the cross, he's got to endure. It's just amazing. Yeah. And uh, Jesus keeps talking again about being betrayed and killed. Uh, the disciples are talking about being first or the greatest. Mm. Again, he gives this uh, sort of upside-down world where yep. the first will be last. Um, and the, this cool part where 
he's he welcomes the children yeah to him um and they're talking also about here is that a nine or a ten uh there's two there's two parts with the two the children. children oh yeah so, yeah yeah, yeah two yeah, children's yeah. um at the end there they're ta- somebody else is casting out uh, demons or healing people yeah. in the name of Jesus and the uh, disciples told him to stop he says Jesus says if he's not against us he's for us um and he can, I mean it's just so dense with rich stuff here he's talking about if you cause somebody to sin yeah uh tie a Rock on your neck. Yeah, giant water. millstone. Um, and he also gives the the famous, what causes you to sin, cut it off. Yeah. Cut your hand off, poke your eye out. Um, With a reference to hell. Yeah. Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Yeah. Yeah, it's intense. Very intense. Better, better to go into heaven... Without an arm. Maimed. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. You're going to hell whole. You know, it's true. We know it's true. You know what I mean? Inst- uh, instinctively, things, there's instinct- something. There. Yeah, you know there's things in life that are, that'll cost you in the short run. You got to let go of that. It's worth it in the long run. Yeah. He's just using this incredibly uh, effective language about it, you know, and, and uh, it's powerful. It really is. Then we get into 10. Uh, they're asking about divorce, and this is really interesting. Yes, I agree. Uh, Moses allowed it, says because they had hard hearts, and um, Jesus points references Genesis. Uh, he goes even back further, yeah, than Moses, um, all the way to Adam and Eve. Yeah, and uh, it's just fa- it's interesting. Uh, Moses was allowed to allow it, you know? Yeah. Like, well, and I got to think was about... Was he meeting them where they were at kind y- of deal? You and I love this book by a guy named Greg Boyd called The Crucifixion of the Warrior God. And part of his whole motif in that book is how in different stages of world history, God kind of stooped to the level to meet people where they were at so that he could reveal himself to him until he could eventually get to Jesus. And mm-hmm. it was kind of in these stages... And it feels like that's kind of what Jesus is saying. He's like, look, Moses adapted to your hard-heartedness and yeah. your stubbornness. But actually, the real ideal from our Heavenly Father was Adam and Eve. Right. right. They were one flesh. Yeah. Which is, if I want to sleep on the couch, I just have to use the phrase one flesh in my household. My <laughs> wife hates it. Not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. <laughs> For whatever reason. But yeah, he's like, that's not God's ideal will. And it's, and it's interesting, too, because... You know, it really shows that Jesus is means what he says about yeah. about what God really intends and really wants for his yeah. creation and for his created. Yeah. And this is the then it goes into the next part here where it is he says, Bring the children to me. Yeah. Um so it's kind of this intense thing that then goes into this really <laughs> nice thing with the kids. And at the end, I love it. He he hugs them and blesses them. Yeah. Um, and I, I always have to bring this up, but if the kids were attracted to Jesus and really liked him, he must have had a certain type of personality 
that was attractive to them. He couldn't have mm-hmm. been super dour and serious and yeah. angry all the time. There was something something about him that was attractive. To yeah, him. and that's what we were talking about earlier. <laughs> the disciples were... They were growing impatient all the time because of the throngs and the crowds that were pressing in on them. And then when the children came, they were, says the disciples rebuked them. Right, right. <laughs> like, yeah. no. And it, and it, I've read this commentary. It said that um, in that culture, the children, uh, children in these ancient cultures were to be seen and not heard. And it made me think of the show Arrested Development. <laughs> the Mil- Milford Man, yeah. Bustard. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was neither seen nor heard. <laughs> You'd have to see the show to know what we're talking uh, about. The best. But, but like you said, there was just something about Jesus. It was attractive. Yeah. You know, it was joyful, and, and he wasn't about to deny that. Right. But uh, Mark's just constantly kind of painting these guys in this negative light. Getting it wrong. But you're getting it wrong, and they are. But at the same time, like you said earlier, I mean, you could just imagine they're almost serving as like these bodyguard dudes. Yeah. Like, I mean, you've got all these people constantly pressing in on him, and yeah, yeah, it's an it's an intense scene. And um, it ends it ends. We'll end here on ten with the story. Of the rich man comes to Jesus, ask him what he must do to be saved, and interestingly, Jesus lists the commands. Yeah, and the guy keeps going. Says he did them all. Yeah, and Jesus is like, cool. That's it, awesome. I, I love it because it says Jesus feels love toward him. Yeah, you know? he loved him. Yeah, it was like, like, and then it, then he tells him to sell everything and follow him. Yeah, like I think he meant it. Like it says he yeah. loved him. Like come with us, yeah. man. You know, like you're a good candidate. <laughs> yeah, you're on the right track. Yeah. Come with us. Good job. Yeah, and uh, and he also, but he also knew the button to press. Yeah. He knew his thing, which I think is important to see in this episode because I think the scriptures, this passage has been twisted right. many, many times over right. where you can't can't have anything nice. You yeah. can't have uh, wealth. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can't have that sort of thing because Jesus calls everyone to be poor and yeah. not have that sort of thing. He just and, talked and, to this guy about that. Yeah, and well, he does go into uh, some intense language there about it's hard for the rich to be saved mm-hmm. um yeah. but it ends with but with god all things are possible totally and it makes me think of the parable that we talked about last week of the sower and the seed and so this guy is that type of soil where the tears mm. come up the, yeah. the worries the cares yeah. the wealth the stuff of the word world and it chokes out yeah the word of god right yeah and uh, it ends really cool. We'll end here. He's, he's, the disciples are talking about what they left behind mm. to follow Jesus. And he's you know, saying, if you left something behind or a person or a thing, uh, it'll be given back to you even more. Yeah. And uh, this incredible promise um, uh, for now in our lives and for the, for the future to come as well. Yeah. It's an awesome promise there. Um, whatever we uh, let go of, we will receive even more uh, through through Christ. It's amazing. Yep, awesome. And okay, we'll stop there. We we did a pretty good one here on the New Testament reading, and we will come back with another part two with our Old Testament reading. Stay tuned. 
and come back and check out part two. Awesome. See you later.